Coming up in this episode, suicide has not been a crime here in the UK since 1961. So why do we commonly still use the term committed suicide? Committed is indicating that someone has committed a crime. Recruitment businesses are typically, as we say, sales-focused engines. Mm. That will not change. Nine out of 10 recruiters have suffered from some form of anxiety, stress, and or depression. There's a lot of people out there mm. that are ready to put in the work. So make sure you're bringing in that talent that's got that kind of mindset and, and ready to put in that work. Hi Lee, welcome to the corner. Morning Paul, how are you doing? Yeah, well good mate, thanks for coming on. Lee, I want to talk to you today about some really important topics, uh, particularly around mental health, neurodiversity, yeah. that kind of stuff. Before we get into that, can you just uh, give our viewers a bit of an overview of your background, where you've been and, and where you are now in, in terms of your career? Yeah, well look, thanks again Paul for having us along today. Uh, we've known each other for a little while, so it's yeah. good to come in and talk about certain topics with you and different topics and perhaps we yeah. we used to speak about as well. Mm. So by way of kind of introduction and background, yeah, my name's Lee. I've been in the HR recruitment world now for probably cool, 15 plus years. Don't look old enough, mate. So I appreciate <laughs> that. I, I feel old enough yeah. now. I feel it, definitely. Re recruitment to do that to you. Recruitment, <laughs> young children, yeah. you name it, exactly. So... Yeah, about 15 years in kind of HR, but with a real focus on recruitment for most of that time as well. True. Previously, my background was similar to you, Paul. Worked at Microdeck, Access Group, Kylo Partners. So very much in the kind of recruitment CRM, recruitment-specific technology mm -hmm. space. Right, really enjoyed the market. Really love recruitment. So, but a little bit of background there as well. In 2019, I decided to take a bit of a pivot, actually, and started right. to think about where I was going to really go in my career and that was really on the back of a personal experience right so 13th of november 2019 actually just a few days after i started at kylo partners right okay right? it was literally kind of two or three days in uh, my sister looked to take her life right and you know if i'm i'm really transparent about that as well it, it wasn't the first time right that she looked to to do that but it was the first time that after the event she came to me and shared her intent around her actions, right? Got you. So that was just really impactful for me. It would be, yeah. Yeah. It was the first time that I really took note seriously of the situation. Mm. So I just went on a bit of a journey then, right? I decided to think about how I could better support my sister, mm -hmm. first and foremost. How, as a family, we could open up on the, the conversation mm -hmm. a little bit more. So I, I, I then reached out to a charity called Papyrus Suicide Prevention that specialise in suiciding young adults. And that's actually anyone between the age of 8 and 35. Right. right? Okay. And that, that moment there was really also that moment where I thought, do you know what? I started to understand some of the challenges, some of the data, some of the issues in that specific demographic. Mm -hmm. And I thought, it's been really great delivering uh, a recruitment CRM yeah. for all these years, yeah. right? But how can I play a small part in kind of solving this this mental health challenge we have Good for you. as a society yeah. globally? But still we need to, to do that as well by servicing the recruitment industry. Right. So, so a lot of people might look at something like that and think, do you know what, I want to volunteer or do something like that in my spare time, yeah. you know, to give something back. And I think that comes when when you get across a certain age, you start sort of looking around. And again, I think having kids, you know, sort of grounds you a bit to, to do stuff like that. 
And all of a sudden, going out at the weekend with the lads isn't important. Yeah. You know, so you start putting your time into things that matter. And it might be things in the community and society. You're saying, what you actually did is for sod it. I, I, I want to actually, as a job, go. I, I want to do this. So you started looking at careers around, yeah. around that sort of area. So it started to say with that with that experience of going into papyrus right right because that was the first time paul that i spoke to anyone outside of probably my wife my mum mm -hmm. about my situation yeah my sister's situation and i'll be like super transparent i went in there into papyrus i sat down with a lady in there and i i, I was in floods of tears yeah right? it's the first time that I'd, i kind of got that load off my yeah. my chest right and i came out the other end of that conversation that same day as a champion for papyrus so started volunteering for them and yeah. i still do that today right so yeah that's that piece you talk about mm. uh, where you know finding that time to give back a little bit to the community mm -hmm. most yeah and that charity in particular and it was really doing that that then made me think how can i take this a step further mm. right how can i make this kind of my my full-time mission so yeah, doing it in the day job, but then also playing my part in still supporting a number of different initiatives and, and mm. charities, etc. Mm. Um, outside of the day job, great. And again, we'll go on to talk a little bit yeah. about you know mental health and in particular men's mental health. But that's quite a you've got a specific date, you know, for you where things things changed, didn't they? And that's you know to you, you you know you've gone and you've opened up about it, you've started talking about it, and again it's. You know, us men are great at having these little boxes of emotions that you pack all this stuff into and you put it in there and you and you get on with it. Yeah. But as soon as you guys start opening that up and you start sort of exploring that, which is a really healthy thing to do, you know, that that those 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 sort of things come up. Sorry to hear about your sister. How is she now? Today she's okay. Good. That's what I always um say for you know, we got a diagnosis for my sister. Mm-hmm couple of years back now she's got borderline personality disorder so again that's like really a step forward for us mm -hmm. in terms of understanding one what kind of support is available to her mm. and again how we can develop our own skills communication styles to to better engage well with my sister talk about topics but also becoming aware of you know spotting little indicators mm. that maybe she's she's struggling today yeah yeah and that's a really big part we'll probably come on to some of those bits a bit later as well she must be pretty proud of you as well for then using that like you said to pivot and actually go into that as a as as, as now a, a career and a you know i want to become an expert in this because i can see the impact it i hope so so lee on the corner previously we've touched on mental health and it was such an important topic i wanted to do a whole episode yeah. on it which is why we wanted an expert like yourself to to come in and talk about it last time when we touched on it i talked i talked about you know how i feel the ability for men in particular to 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 speak up has, has started to improve I, th I feel like there's been a there's been a bit of a, a shift there still 80 percent of suicide are men um you know and that's that is a gender gap yeah but obviously there's stigma still around all types of mental health um you know in particular you know how people go around sort of diagnosis, how they go around deal with it. Can you talk to us around, you know, some of the stigmas and what, what everyone, I suppose, can do to, to improve, you know, or, or make that better? Yeah, thanks. And look, thanks for previously, I saw that episode, really great episode, by the way. Thanks. And and so great to be here talking about this in a little bit more detail as well. So we'll, we'll touch on that piece you mentioned around men's mental health very briefly as well. Yeah. 
there is a lot of great work going on out there. There's a lot of great work in general being done around breaking down those stigmas. So we're definitely making progress, Good. right? But also numbers, as you kind of alluded to with some of those numbers a moment ago, don't lie. Mm. Right? Suicide is still the biggest killer in men under the age of 45, mm. right? So there's still a lot of work to be done, mm. huge amounts of work. But let's talk about stigmas in general a little bit as well and, and some of those stigmas and then also how we can try and create environments where men and people can open up a bit more, mm. yeah? So, you know, if I think about some of the stigmas out there, I think about some of my own experiences, I think about growing up. I think as men, yeah, there's always been this kind of barrier, this stigma around it talking about your feelings, mm. right? And actually, I'll, I'll, I'll just say feelings for the purpose of this, emotions, mm. not just about mental health, but emotions in general. Mm -hmm. I think quite commonly, men have been seen as weak if they're talking about their emotions. Mm. Yeah. Do you think that's a, do you think that's a cultural or, you know, a social thing? Uh, and, and again, I, I feel like that's changed, but do you feel like that was more rife? Like, I can't, I can't, I can't picture my granddad. He's dead now, so he's not talking about it anyway. Yeah. God rest his soul. I could never have imagined him talking about how he was feeling. Like, that's yeah. just not a, it just doesn't compute. No, 100%. So I think there are, yeah, cultural challenges mm -hmm. with it. And we'll talk about some of those in a moment as well. I think there's also a age, a demographic mm -hmm. type piece around it, even still today, right? There perhaps are certain demographics that um, still have a challenge around this, still see some weakness mm. in this. It's definitely changing, right? I want to put that, it's definitely improving, yeah. 100%. But there are certainly still demographics that, that struggle with this piece. Mm. You know, I, I sit there and think about a, a young childhood experience for me, you know, when my, my parents divorced and my dad coming to me, sitting down next to me, and for the very first time I can ever remember at the age of 13, him sitting on the floor next to me crying because of having to leave the family home. Yeah. It's the only time though, Paul, that I've seen my dad share any emotion. Yeah. Right, the only time. But that was super impactful on me, right? Mm. And it probably even, I hadn't really thought about it till I've been on this journey recently into yeah, this yeah. space, how impactful that was on me and also how that kind of made me think about some of those barriers, some of those perceptions mm. around weakness mm. yeah so i think there's a lot of good work being done around that but there's still a way to go i think there's definitely still a way to go and i think each you know it's very it's a very personal thing yes. isn't it to open up to your emotions even to your closest loved ones like you say your your your, your family your, your wife your your children's a really interesting one because you know for me i've got two children i know you've got two children but I don't think, I mean, they've seen me upset, but they've never seen, you know, there's on a few occasions where I have been really struggling with, with my mental health, I will tend to take myself off. Yeah. And that might be, I will go for a run. Yeah. I might go and find a quiet spot and sit somewhere to myself because I don't want, it's very personal to me. Yeah. It's not necessarily, you know, I I don't feel like, and I'll talk, to, you know, we'll talk a little bit more about this. But, you know, t to me that, that if still now I feel if my children are seeing me, you know, cry, what impact is that going to have on them? You know, because I'm constantly thinking about 
how my actions sort of impact other people. So it's not necessarily sort of me, you know, not helping out or, you know, being selfish. It's it's that, that like you said, it's interesting. That's the first time you saw your dad yeah. cry. Well, obviously a massive emotional moment. You know, you go, you've got to move out your family home that I'm sure you worked very hard to 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 try and keep together. So it's... Um, 100%. It's, it's very difficult. And, and this is why I think there is great work being done. There's still a way to go. But we also have to bear in mind that with it, as you've kind of just mentioned there, Paul, we're all individuals, mm. right? And all our emotions, the ways we are feeling, mm. are all valid mm. feelings, right? Are really important to highlight as well, mm. right? So the way we understand those feelings and the way we deal with those feelings is always unique to us, mm. right? So I think there's not necessarily a wrong or right answer, but there are definitely ways we can do things to help continue breaking down those barriers. So what, talk, talk to me about some of the, you know, you, you and I had a conversation in particular recently. You know, we talked a little bit about there about sort of a perceived weakness. Yeah. Um, you know, even lack of willpower. Yeah. You know, you're scared people aren't going to be empathetic to your personal, you know, situation. We, we spoke a bit recently about the language piece around, you know, the, the stigma, which, to be honest, I, some of the stuff you told me, I was completely unaware of. You know, I just, it just didn't even compute because I suppose... I've been so, you know, my exposure to mental health has been uh, either a personal journey for myself yeah. or members of my family or people I know. Yeah. And that's all the exposure I've had. Yeah. But some of the stuff which obviously you've been looking at more over the last couple of years in your role. Yeah. So talk to me about, you know, some of the language and stuff that's, that's the, 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 that interesting piece, you know, around the stigma around that. Definitely. So language... And look, Paul, similar to you, right? Mm. Previously, up to three years ago, four years ago maybe now, was not a consideration for me, mm. right? It was not a consideration. It's only when, as you rightly say, I started to really want to try and play a part in this, first of all, for my sister and then, you know, wider than that, that I started to understand the impact and the power of language. Mm. Again, the use of the term weakness and using that in our language, mm. what does that mean to someone, yeah. right? So... But if we, we look into a, a few different topics there and it will move into some cultural pieces as well, right, perhaps, because that's really important, the language used in certain cultures, mm. right? But if I think about just like that topic of suicide, just mm. for a moment, right? Suicide has not been a crime here in the UK since 1961. Mm. So why do we commonly still use the term committed suicide? Mm. Yeah, committed is indicating that someone has committed a crime. Crime, yeah. But I've just shared with you, actually, in the UK, yeah, it's not been a crime since 1961. Mad to think it was a crime before yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> like, Jesus. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it is. Like, when you said that to me the other day when we were talking, I was just like, I never thought about it like that. And, like, literally everyone says, or everyone I know, and I haven't heard another use of the language... It was said, so and so's committed to us. Yeah. And I think, you know, so is there a soft is there a better yeah. way it can be said? Hundred percent. There's a few ways you can address this, right? And again, what I'm also really conscious of is even I today will slip up sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Because we, we spoke a moment ago about certain demographics, perhaps struggling with moving from seeing things as a weakness to a strength, mm. for example, when talking about mental health. We've all been educated mm. and learned 
for a period of time that yeah. certain language is okay to use. Yeah. And right? whether you're brought up 70s, 80s, 90s, is all going to... That language, whether it's, you know, about sexuality, whether, you know, uh, transgender, whatever yeah. it is, that's almost like in burnt into your brain because that's the way you've been grown up. And it's a mass... It's a massive thing at the moment. I'm totally up for everyone using the right language that doesn't offend or upset people. 100%. So, but just thinking about that, as you said, you know, we've had this kind of ingrained into us. Mm. It's also important to be quite forgiving Mm. to yourself in here and not kind of put too much pressure on yourself to think, am I getting all this language right? It's, it's, It's... steps forward Mm. right so even having the awareness is a great starting point Mm. yeah so but a good way to think about language to use around suicide i also think about attempted just for a moment what does the word attempt what does the phrase attempted suicide potentially mean and maybe i'll ask you to give me your thoughts on that i wish you'd have asked this before i'll bring this spot mate yeah to me like the second you said that my brain went tried and failed spot on Spot Which on. is bad, isn't it? Spot on. So that is indicating... So his eyes tried to do something, but, but they failed. Yeah. They're trying to do And failure has negative uh, con- you know, connotations to it, right? I think there's great work being done in, in, in the business world, actually thinking about failure in a certain different way and seeing that the learnings from failure. But when we talk specifically about suicide, attempted could be very impactful for someone who has looked to take their life and you see what i've done there i've changed attempted to looked yeah yeah a subtle change but looked doesn't necessarily have that strong association with failure Mm. yeah so when we talk about committed suicide maybe a better way of looking at that phrase is died by suicide right yeah and again these are bits that we're still learning. We're still all working on the language. Mm. But the reason it's so important is to, you know, again, break down some of those barriers. Again, make this, um, you know, more kind of uh, a topic that is spoken about more widely. And also for the individuals, families and individuals that have died by suicide or looked to suicide, it can help remove some of those barriers Mm. right that fear of what is a perceived failure that fear of what might have been an illegal action we can remove those from the conversation so people might have that little bit more confidence to come forward and open up does that make sense absolutely yeah and it's yeah it's a massive learning curve is for for everyone i mean you know me just sitting here now i thought i've always been quite empathetic with the use of my language you know in, in Maybe not all the time, but if I know I'm, if I'm in front of certain people, I want to be respectful in the in the use of my my language. So I will tend to be a bit more conscious mm. of what I'm saying. But that just never even computed. And and again, you know, didn't to me no before <laughs> yeah. didn't, didn't to me. Yeah. So it's all we're all learning all the time, right? And we we also shouldn't put too much pressure on ourselves mm. to feel like we have to get it right every time but at yeah. least if we can start thinking and become more conscious about it that's the starting point yeah if we then jump into like you know the cultural challenges around that as well and maybe i'll just stay on this topic around please yeah suicide really briefly mm. i don't want our whole conversation to, today <laughs> to be around suicide it's really important um, enough to talk about those so definitely yeah, please, please carry on definitely but I, I was catching up with um 
like a, a peer in the space, shall we call it, mm-hmm. out in Saudi the other day. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, this was a, a, a kind of a learning experience for me, mm-hmm. right? Um, and we were talking about the progress that's being made in Saudi when it comes to well-being and mental health, mm-hmm. right? A lot of that is being influenced by younger demographics who perhaps have gone overseas, mm-hmm. gone to the West to study, mm-hmm. right? Then them coming back with their view of the world with those kind of westernized views and bringing them into Saudi, mm-hmm. right? So there's great progress being made over in Saudi mm-hmm. when it comes to well-being and mental health. Which is, is pleasing to hear because that's in itself, we won't go there, but can be quite a controversial topic in terms of just, you know, some of the Middle Eastern regions, countries in general and their view on a modern, perhaps westernized society. They're, they're now getting to the point where previously... They wouldn't necessarily talk about mental health and use the word mental health. They'd have to soften it with well-being, yeah. right? Slowly but surely, I think they're now starting to use in terms mind health, right? Okay. So it's starting to progress in that respect, right? But then you've got to remember that there are a number of challenges, mm. right? So if we think about, you know, Saudi in particular, Islam, we think mm-hmm. about Islam for a moment. Yeah. Islam forbids forbids Muslims from taking their life. Mm. So it's not right. just illegal, it is religiously, it is forbidden. It's forbidden. It is forbidden. So you think about, again, the stigmas, the language, all those kind of bits we've just spoken about, in that environment, in that culture, in that religion, mm. and you think about how difficult it is to kind of move the needle mm. on this topic. Mm. It's going to take time. But yeah. the good news is the progress is happening. It's happening. So even just the word of that, you know, the use of that word suicide, no matter how you put it, how you're phrasing it, yeah, that's just completely, completely frowned upon in that religion in some cultures. And, and yeah. you know, so, some of those Middle Eastern countries, you know, I spent some time in the UAE. Yeah. Some, some yeah. areas are a lot more westernized than others and are a bit more open to those yeah. changes perhaps than, than some others. It's coming, Paul. It's coming. The change is coming. Yeah, it's but coming. we just always have to bear in mind that language, mm. culture, religion, mm. age demographics, all these play a part in some of the stigmas and barriers and work that needs to be done to open up the conversation. I, I, I would just... Well, one thing that, that was in the news just last week, actually, which sort of made me realize something as well i always um sort of put suicide with mental health you know yeah. someone's committed suicide it's because they've got issues or problems with their mental health mm. dave courtney mm. just last week yeah. i don't know whether you saw obviously took his own life but he put a really interesting video up well his family did he so he'd recorded it just before he had um yeah. taken his own life yeah it's committed suicide again because it's just so you know it's just the language is so so ingrained but before he took his own life he recorded a video and he specifically said i am mentally well i'm just in pain and he had suffered for years with arthritis and he couldn't even get up the stairs and he was saying how much he's enjoyed his life every day he's had fun and he doesn't want to be a burden to his family and stuff yeah. and i was talking to a very good friend of mine um just yesterday about it and you know there's certain countries in 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 europe uh, and and around the world where euthanasia mm. is a thing and mm. families can decide yeah 
you know that that that's the right the right option mm. um does does that ever come up in any of your sort of sort of works obviously it's there's that suicide prevention yeah um but what what i've realized now is it's it, it's not always mental health and you think if someone has tried taking their own life and it is due to mental health then you know clearly there's 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 help there that's you know where needed but you know to me it was like oh this person's actually this person's done it because it's physically in pain and he just doesn't want to live anymore i think within his right to do so and to think that there's people out there i mean he took like a gun to his head i mean that's crazy um that he would have to that's his only option mm. for that so my, my comment on this would be what impact impact does physical pain mm. have on our mental health and vice versa as well exactly right so they you know physical health um mental health super closely linked mm. right super closely linked so i'm not going to sit here and take away from what's being said mm. but i'm going to sit here and say that the two are so closely linked mm. i think there is still that work to so that that pain's perhaps driven that mental health yeah yeah to me it should just be called health then, yeah. shouldn't it yeah like yeah. drop the mental bit even because you know if you Men just say the word mental on its own that can be quite impactful can't it, it can indeed you know? and so you've used another word they are he's mental that's a, a great a great example again paul yeah. great example and i love this right you're right what does the word mental mm. you know what are some of the historic uses that perhaps you and i mm. have used mm. in our day-to-day -day before when we yeah. use the word mental mm. right so maybe there is also some work to be done at some point yeah. around is it just mm. well-being mm. Yeah, it's good because we kind of look what it was like, what it is now, but still clearly there's still room. There's 100%. always room for, for improvement. Definitely. Which is really good. Okay, so Lee, we've worked in recruitment for too long. Um, we have <laughs> a little of I think I've like 13, 14 years, a couple of years as a recruiter and, and then and then obviously on the tech side and I know obviously you're, you've racked up similar, similar numbers. Similar across, numbers. Across, similar yeah, numbers. but a lot of that time was in was in tech yeah. so we've had a lot of exposure to uh the recruitment environment the recruitment environment typically is a very sales orientated mm. environment mm. um you know it's you know a lot of consultants um and you know they are they are sales people what comes in a sales environment typically are targets kpis and pressure to perform yeah whether the market you know particularly if the market's down like we're seeing a bit of a slump at the moment so the pressure for sales people to perform is is very high yeah obviously what comes with that pressure typically and i've had it myself when i was in sales and i've you know coach and manage sales people that have that same sort of pressure is stress yeah. is anxiety uh which then can lead to you know depression if you have a bad few months and you you know it can have a financial impact on your family and you know you're getting pressure from your bosses and your peers or whatever what what can businesses do to sort of improve that how can they sort of recognize things like stress burnout you know and all those words it's sort of referred to yeah good great great question right great topic this and yeah. um yeah similar number of years to yourself in this space <laughs> but in reality it's because i love the space mm. right i love the space and this is why um i'm passionate about supporting this space as well because actually i see a lot of change happening in recruitment right a lot of positive change mm. happening in recruitment but we won't get away from that high stress mm. sales environment. 
right? KPI, target-driven um, recruitment businesses are typically, as we say, sales-focused engines. Mm. Yeah, that will not change. I, I don't believe. I don't mm. believe unless AI just takes over everything. Everyone's uh, out of a job. Unless <laughs> and then we've got to support the AI somehow. Yeah. We, 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 we won't go into that too, yeah. too much. But you know, there's there's already a lot of great work being done in the recruitment industry, mm -hmm. right? Re the recruitment industry is becoming more and more aware that you know the impact of the you know constantly on environment in yeah. recruitment. Yeah. So I'm um, you know speaking to my candidates out of hours. I'm speaking to clients out of hours. It's not a nine to five, right? Mm -hmm. So that comes with its own challenge alone. Yeah. It's not a nine to five. Then I've got my targets. Now I've got my KPIs. I've also got the scenario this year, as you rightly say, where it's a tougher market, mm -hmm. right? But sometimes the expectations don't change. Mm. You know, we don't necessarily change the targets. Mm. In fact, sometimes we increase the expectation in tougher markets. Mm. We drive even harder mm. to see results. So all of that does create an environment that can be really impactful on our well-being, right? So there's a lot of work going into addressing that. There's a great organization out there. Um, shout out to Rhonda at Mental Health and Recruitment, yeah. right, that are doing some, some great work as well um, in supporting the industry. Uh, I think Rhonda done some research, might have been at the start of COVID. Um, Rhonda will correct me at some point for this when she done the research. <laughs> but her research, she, sur she surveyed the industry, right? And she found that nine out of 10 recruiters have suffered from some form of anxiety, stress, and or depression. So high. Right? So yeah. it's, it's, it's high, but it's probably not, it's, it's not just recruitment, right? That will be... Also, numbers we could probably see in similar sales-focused mm. organizations mm -hmm. because of those pressures we just spoke about. Mm. And it's that going back to that environment slash culture sort of piece. You know, you would yeah. expect from a high sales press environment for that to perhaps be higher than, you know, the 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 well-being industry, say like spas and you know that kind of stuff. You know, it's yeah, more of a relaxed, more environment, and you know. Exactly. I'm not saying it doesn't occur, but I'm just saying the, the number. The balance is different. Yeah. The balance is different. Yeah, exactly right, Paul. Exactly. But as I say, so I think businesses are starting to recognise that, mm -hmm. right? Through the work that perhaps, you know, we're doing around educating, the likes of mental health and recruitment, amongst others, the organisations are recognising that the leaders at the top of those organisations, and this is an important piece, yeah. are recognising that, Great. right? The leaders at the top of these organisations are recognising that challenge and they're looking to address it, Right. Um, so what, what can they do, right? And some, there's some really simple things organizations can do as well, right? First and foremost, when bringing talent into the business and managing your talent you've got internally today, mm -hmm. be transparent, yeah? Be transparent around the challenges in the role, mm -hmm. yeah? So people aren't going into this with... Um, a disconnected view of what's expected of them, mm. right? Be very, very transparent about that. They can make that choice then, can't they? Yeah. Actually, I think I can do that. I just think I can't. You know, yeah. being missold a role, I mean, we do we do hear about it in the industry quite a lot. 100 percent sold the dream and, oh, you can earn all of this. But what they don't say is you have to also sell us your soul and you have to do all of this stuff. 100%. And, you know, there's a lot of people out there mm. that are ready to put in the work. Yeah. Right? So make sure you're bringing in that talent that's got that kind of mindset and and ready to put in that work but if you're misselling that role and you're misselling it to someone that perhaps you know is is not wanting to engage in that kind of opportunity mm. then you you're going to have those challenges right so clear expectations transparency realistic targets 
This year is a great example of yeah. this, right? Really great example. I think many organizations are doing this anyway. They perhaps started off the year with this expectation. They're probably on a weekly basis adjusting those KPIs and targets. But again, it's really important that we set those kind of realistic targets. Let's set KPIs, let's set sales targets mm. that do stretch our people, mm. but are achievable, mm. are achievable, right? So that's really important as well. And I want to come on to the technology in your space in particular yeah. um, in a while, but just on that, you know, the, the, the tech within a recruitment business can play a big part in that in terms of them being able to visualize those KPIs, those yeah. targets, how, how well they're how well they're doing that's not a plug like you know oh you know at Itris we do this but I'm just saying you know in all, a great tool for them to be transparent is actually using their, their CRM to manage those targets and, and then perhaps sitting down with the consultant and here's what you're doing well look, let's look at the data yeah use we the always data. look at the data use the data mm. to demonstrate mm. that actually what we're setting here yeah. is achievable mm -hmm. we've got the data to back that up mm -hmm. right We've got our top performers to back that up and the data supporting those top performers, right? So you're completely right. Tools like ITRIS, et cetera, are really well placed to give that visibility. Mm. But even before you think about the tools, what, what use is a tool if my people are struggling with their well-being? Because straight away, their performance is going to be lower. Yeah. Their enthusiasm to use said tools mm. is going to be lower. So we've got to make sure we have the foundations right first and foremost, mm. right? Um, so again, they can do really great work in the organizations to be educating around a better balance, putting routine into your day. Mm -hmm. Your routine, especially in recruitment, will probably look different than a nine to five job, mm. right? So help your people find a healthy routine in their days as well, mm. right? That gives them that balance. Help your people understand that actually having time away from technology and the always on culture mm. is important mm. for that healthy balance as well, right? So there's lots of work to be done there. We do some some great stuff on like digital detoxing. Yeah. And actually saying, Paul, it's saying I embedded at home. I was becoming really conscious of it myself. Yeah. Breakfast time, lunch times, dinner times. There's a screen. There was a screen <laughs> in front of me. Yeah. While I'm sat there, you spoke about what we share with our children. Yeah. Something I noticed that I was doing that was not healthy, mm -hmm. I was sharing over those moments when I should be just engaging with my family, yeah. I was sharing it was acceptable to have a device on and be looking at it. I'm really, I've been really conscious of that. Um, and I always, you know, if, I, if I'm on my device, I try to do it on my own, typically yeah. for a guy at sin on the toilet. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a yeah. great time to go and hide away for ten yeah. minutes. Yeah, definitely. That's some screen time. Yeah, but if I'm, if I'm, you know, in the bedroom, in the front room on my own and I'm on a device and one of my children walks in, I make very conscious habits, put the device down and just be, be present. in the moment and be yeah. and be present with them because that's that's healthy for them. And again, I want to talk about sort of, a, you know, sort of the younger mind and what we can do with that. But in terms of the sort of education in the workplace, mm. talk to us a little bit about that and what, what you guys have found sort of works in terms of, obviously you've talked about the transparency, which is great, but what about sort of educating everyone on, on the topic? How, how does that work? A few things that, that people can, can be doing at the moment there as well. So we are seeing a lot more organizations that are doing workshops, webinars around mental health, spotting the signs of someone that might be struggling. Mm -hmm. There's actually a bill at Parliament at the moment, I think it's in its first or second reading, which is looking at 
um, the role of mental health first aiders in the workplace. Great. So that you know that that's something we we see a lot of organisations starting to embrace. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they tend what, to just be larger organisations. No, you're seeing this across across, across the, the board. board. Across right. the board, it's really positive. It's really positive because let's just think about mental health first aid for a minute. Mm. We have physical first aiders. Mm. Yeah, in all organisations yeah. of all shape and size. Right, that person that can be there to spot that you've just fallen down the stairs, Paul, and grazed your, your shin that you need a plaster. It's happened, right? It's happened. So we've got those individuals. Yeah. Why have we not got individuals that can proactively mm. spot the sign of someone that might be struggling? It's an interesting one, isn't it? Because typically I will talk to my teams about their health in general. And I sort of like to try and summarize health as health. Yeah. Um, you know, physical yeah. and mental. But I typically, I've got, I've got door open policy. They know I'm here if they need to to talk. I might not be the right person for them to talk to, but I will always make a habit of bringing it up in one to ones. Yeah. You know, and try and gauge you know how how they are. And I I, I feel like I mean one of them sitting behind there for over there. Hopefully that they feel I'm approachable enough. But I always do make a, a conscious effort. But it's interesting because. That generally, that responsibility at the moment, or I see, is, is that falls on line managers. Yeah, you're their line manager; they're your responsibility. That's kind of the thing. Well, it wouldn't be the line manager's responsibility, like you said, if they fell down the stairs and and broke their ankle. That'd be oh, who's first aid? Yeah, yeah. So having that right, right person in place within an organisation to, you know, because we see it at schools, don't we? Um, you know, my there's various stuff going on. In in my children's school, uh, they got a great Senko department, um, but they have uh, you know like a school psychiatrist, yeah. which is which is great. Yeah. So having that having that in the workplace, I mean, it's becoming more and more clear that that's 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 probably needed, and hopefully, hundred percent. So if that if that passes in in Parliament, that will become it's only going to only going to drive going to drive activity forward. I think. Yeah, exactly right. With that, just on that mental health first aid piece for a moment, I think you're completely right. It's, you know, yes, you might have some team leaders, mm. traders, mental health first aiders. Hopefully you might have someone on the leadership team. Yeah. Right? Because again, driving these initiatives from the top, mm. showing that vulnerability at the top mm. is really important. So that's part of the educational piece and creating that culture, mm-hmm. creating that environment. Um, but also I might just have, like I might have a physical first aider, I might have Sally or Steve in admin mm. that's a mental health first aider, mm. right? But what's important with that is we need to make sure we've also got the other systems and tools in place, mm. right? So that's really important to highlight here. Organizations should not just invest in mental health first aiders, mm. yeah? They should also make sure that they've then got the systems in place that if an MHFA does spot someone that's struggling, does have a conversation with them, understands that they're going through a really difficult time, mm-hmm. they then need to be able to make sure that they can actually signpost that person to the right support. Mm. So therefore making sure you've not only got that expertise and that education, that skill set internally, mm. but then you've actually got the supporting tools around the outside of that mm-hmm. where you can actually take that person who's struggling to professional help if needed. Mm. Yeah, that's really, really important as well. Not only for the individual that's struggling, but for the mental health first aider. Yeah, yeah. It's it's just, it's, it's it's then a, it's a bit of a safeguarding sort of thing, then, isn't it? As well. So 
you know, we have similar with our, you know, I coach a managing under 11s football team, same sort of thing. You know, I can recognize and I've had some very, you know, in-depth conversations with, you know, some of my young boys that are struggling yeah. with either a loss in the family or, or, or whatever that is. But then it's like, I know if it gets to a limit, I'm then, right, this is now a safeguarding issue. Correct. And I, it's the welfare officer that then will then pick it up. And if they then need help, it's then the Kent FA that get involved and some similar sort of in terms of process. Exactly right. Exactly right. Because what you don't want to do as that mental health first aid or whoever it is, you can only take that conversation so far. Yeah. Right. And rightly so. It's like so, so far you, you're going to want staff to be trained, you know, before they have to have a career in it. Correct. Uh, Correct. You know, to be a professional. Yeah, exactly right. So that's really important as well that you've got those processes, systems, mm. tools in place. That, mm. And that's where we're now, yeah, talking about recruitment in particular. That's where we're seeing a lot of great work. Organizations doing that educational piece, building in some of these processes, recognizing that actually, you know, there are this is an environment that this kind of support is needed in. Mm. Like you say, it's there on the on the physical health. Yeah. If someone cuts their hand. You can do 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 a plaster someone breaks a leg call an ambulance you know so the similar would be needed how, just quick how difficult is that going to be with a remote workforce love it yeah great question great question <laughs> and i love this so this is where it's really important actually that we do give people this education mm. we do give them the skills on spotting the signs so i'll use two great examples i'm an individual who used to turn up, and this isn't me personally, I'm just um, role-playing for a moment. Uh, Don't mind I, me, Paul. Do I need to oh, in character? Please. Okay. But I used to turn up to every Zoom or Teams meeting with camera on. Mm. Yeah, as an example, um, I used to be on time, camera on, great. All of a sudden, my team leader has noticed that I've started to not turn up on time to some oh, of the sessions, okay. and my camera's off. Maybe not all the time, but there's a bit more of a frequency yeah. of that lateness and camera being off. Could that be a sign that something's going on? Yeah. Something going on at home, whatever it might be. Yeah. It might be nothing, right? It could be nothing. It might just be, it might be mental health related. It might be that actually- They've got building work. Yeah. Right? It could be, it could <laughs> yeah. be though. They could be the building work going on. The on their thing, but yeah. yeah. But it's little things like that that you're saying should maybe trigger or spark just that. That conversation. And that's where, you know, people can be trained mm. to know how to approach and ask that question in that situation. And that's really important. We talk about language like we spoke about mm. earlier. Mm. It's being able to approach that conversation in an empathetic way mm. that open allows someone to open up if they are struggling. Yeah. Right? Because it's really easy to pick up, you know, if I'm, you know, we're quite lucky. We all live fairly local to our office. So a lot yeah. of people are in the office a lot of the time. We still allow flexible working and work yeah. from home. It's very easy for me to pick up if someone's having a bad day because I can read their body language yeah. and I can read the tone of their voice and perhaps they react the way they react mm. in situations. But if I've got someone working remotely, you know, that would be really difficult unless they reached out to me. I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily recognize, but like you say, little, little, little things, like things little things. Let, let's think about recruitment again, just for a minute, as this mm. was the kind of, we might have an individual in recruitment that all of a sudden, but they've been billing really well, great. Mm. They're coming into the office all of a sudden, and this is in an office environment now, perhaps. They're coming in and we can notice that they're they seem to be turning up with new watches every every quarter, every month, whatever it might be. They've always got um 
something new that so that it seems like yes they're doing well so yeah. on the surface of it i'm a recruitment business my top performer's performing is mm. it rewarding himself mm. great perfect that's maybe what i want in my recruitment business i'm going to drive that kind of behavior in some ways at the same time could that individual with those elaborate purchases be actually really struggling jesus don't say that. you literally described me <laughs> <laughs> but but it's a you know it could you know some people will be using those rewards yeah. as a way of handling mm. other things that happen in their I think life. I, I, I've looked quite inwards in some of my purchases more so recently. I, I yeah. did go through a stage of yeah. buying quite elaborate yeah. you know, things, visibly watches. I've got a bit of a, a, a I, would say, I would say it's a bit of an addiction, actually, um, but it's also a hobby, I yeah. guess. Yeah. But that's, that's shoes for me. So I have vast amounts of yeah, okay yeah i got you yeah. in addition yeah. jordan fleece today <laughs> but there's va i have vast amounts and i regularly would buy you know limited edition shoes and i don't often wear them you know some of them are collection pieces and but to me looking back it's because i didn't have i come from a very deprived background and i had double hand-me-down shoes mm -hmm. so to me that's like now i'm older and i've got money i can have those things but it's, it's become a bit of a... I probably need help with it, if I'm honest. <laughs> I do my wife would agree. It's really important that we highlight here. Not, yeah. You know, every individual is unique. But a lot of people would see that person coming in. Oh, he's doing so well. He's smashing it. Yeah. You know. But they could be could be dealing with something. Yeah. Right? I have the same problem, Paul. Not with trainers, but with... I'll tell you a little quick little story. The other night, my, my daughter was poorly, so she came in... My, this is my, my four-year-old. Came into bed with us. And... She woke up in the middle of the night, as children do, and she goes to me, Daddy, you smell like John Lewis perfume. <laughs> because I have a bit of... I've, I've, got, I've pretty much got the John Lewis uh, perfume store in my house because I've got this thing, right, where I like to have as many fragrances as yeah. possible. So maybe there's something going on with me <laughs> there as well. But it, yeah. And it, I recognise it when my daughter in the middle of the night said, you smell like John Lewis. Right. <laughs> It's not necessarily, un I, I, you know, I, I get a lot of satisfaction yeah. from buying and opening the box and smelling yeah. the new shoe and stuff. So it's not, you know, I'm not, I don't feel like I'm struggling with those areas. Yeah. There's definitely other areas I have struggled in in the past. But yeah, it's interesting that I would never see that as perhaps a trigger to ask someone, is everything okay? But I suppose what you're saying is perhaps the change in the change. it. The change. They've always been like that, okay. But if it's all of a sudden the change in, you know, habit like the camera's on or yeah. hang on a sec elaborate purchases or 100 changing diet change stuff lots like of little things we can we can really look out for and that's yeah. where some good work is going in not just in recruitment but many industries yeah to help educate people in the workplace mm. on you know how to support their peers and their colleagues mm. right so yeah so lee mental health is as, as we've already covered, impacts people in various different ways. Um, and everyone has their own personal yeah. journey. Um, you know, I've had a lot of family members that have had uh, mental health issues and continue to have. I think me personally, I've had PTSD, uh, anxiety, depression, OCD. More recent one is, is um, uh, imposter syndrome, mm -hmm. which is, you know, crazy because I've always been so confident. But then you find yourself taking yourself out of your comfort zone. It's like, can I do this? And it... it that's a real thing, and that kind of leads to anxiety. It wasn't until I was in my thirties, which is which is recently, very recently. You know, I can, I'm, I can I'm see Paul. <laughs> so I still wear uh, young people's clothes. Um, that 
it wasn't until I was in my thirties where I actually started to recognize what these things were and seek help, you know, so seek professional help when I was in my early thirties and it really helped. Mm. The person I feel sorry for is younger Paul actually, who couldn't or didn't or didn't understand what it was. So what, mm. what can, what can we as, as adults, as, as parents, teachers, societies, what can we all be doing differently to help support younger younger people yeah great great question this is a like a real passion of mine as well right it's you know got two young daughters Mm. i see every day the the impacts the potential impact on their well-being Mm. right and people around me as well and also i suppose some of that comes from my experience in time with the work i do with papyrus right yeah Uh, in particular i'm not going to use this to go into some of the stats which are pretty horrific. And that's from eight years old, you were saying as well, up to eight to a certain age. Yeah. yeah, eight years old. And look, I won't, I don't think this is the forum to share some of the stats sure. around young people and, and suicide in particular. But, you know, what I have seen there is the challenge, mm. right? And it's a really horrific issue that we have to, all of us, you said parents, teachers, society, mm. society needs to try and solve for because we're not doing enough at the moment, right? Our, gener- our young generations today are probably dealing with more than we ever dealt with mm. when we were young enough, we were growing up. You know, and we all had our own experiences. You sure. spoke about it a moment ago that you had some experiences that perhaps you then recognised later on in life that mm. might have influenced certain behaviours and feelings. Mm. Um, but I think there's, you know, in today's society, digital technology is great, mm. right? All this information is fantastic that we can get access to. But young people start absorbing this from, I think, you know, adverts, whatever it may be on the TV, all the social content, all these different noise and and channels coming Mm. at them from the age of like three and four, Mm. right? So if you just take a moment to step back and think about all the different channels that can create that noise for young people now, that's a lot. Mm. That's a lot. We never had that. I'm glad we grew up without phones, to be honest, because I see the impact that that has i mean imagine having social media when we was teenagers and my children are they're not teenagers yet so they're not secondary school yeah. yet but i know the conversations to come are around mobile phones i mean they're asking for them already of course they are because they yeah. see us with them and they see everyone with them and the answer's no mm. but once they start going off to secondary school so your daughters are uh, eight seven, coming up to eight, eight and four and yeah. four yeah. yeah so you'll be similar you're not there yet they might have a device like you said like a you know, it's loads of devices. I'm not going to start pun- uh, yeah, yeah. plugging <laughs> devices, but yeah. it's the social media element I think that that scares me, and that influencer and the and the the want for likes and hundred, you know, that kind of stuff. Hundred percent. What kind of behaviours are those driving from a young yeah. age, right? Um, and look, I'm not here saying that, as I said at the start, there's lots of benefits, mm. lots of benefits, but there's also this other side that I think is contributing, a contributing factor, one of many to this challenge we're seeing with with young people at the moment mm. right young minds themselves are doing a lot of great work in this so they are a, a charity, charity. yeah they're, they're a charity they've just i think in the last two weeks i saw they'd been um at government um really kind of pushing for hubs in society for young people mental health hubs mm. what happened to our youth centers yeah do you remember our youth centres? We used to yeah, have yeah. school. I, I, I can't think of many 
of those kind of real social youth centres now. No. But we've got clubs, right? Kids go gymnastics, like my, or whatever. But at school, I feel that's younger kids though, isn't it? Yeah. You know, yeah. for my boy, it's Cubs. For my daughter, it's rainbows and brownies and gymnastics and that kind of stuff. And I suppose unless they, you know, typically when you get into your teenagers, you might have a sport. Yeah. So it might be football or it yeah. might be rugby or it. And that's great for mental. 100%. Great, you know, that physical activity is, is really good. That feeling of belonging to a team. Part of something. And it's another community. And I touched yeah. on the, you know, me managing a team of young boys. Yeah, yeah. I've had them since they were six. And it's great to see them grow and develop and be there for them when they need me. But I feel when, they, when it gets to teens and, you know, later teens and even into early 20s. Because looking at what I was like when I was 21, I don't think I was mature enough to, you know, necessarily do what I was doing. have the advice. Yeah. But like you said, without the youth clubs and workers and, and the community there to to support them yeah so do you feel like they're kind of just on their own i like, think they're not on i think lots of work is being done so it's really important to say good. but there's so much more that needs to be done for young people right we as parents need to take more responsibility we mm-hmm. touched on it earlier you know i've made that decision to not you know switch off devices at certain time mm. it's a small step Right, it's a small step to try and help them build healthy habits because they learn from us, right? They learn, but then so they can we can do those things. So we can do those things. We can put in those healthy habits. We can try and talk a little bit more about emotions, mm-hmm. right? And being able to articulate that if you feel angry about something, you feel bad about something, you're anxious. Those are completely valid emotions to feel. Mm-hmm. So there's some great books out there for young kids as well. Mm. Doing one, got one with my daughter at the moment that's all about exploring emotions, mm. right? And it also then gets them to do little activities, right? To try and try and articulate that, okay, this person had this experience, they might be feeling this emotion. Mm. What can they do to then kind of um, address that emotion? And what should other people be supporting them with mm. when they're feeling that way? So there's some really great books for young children out there as well. So... If we can start using things like that, that can be helpful. Right. But then it has to, it has to continue in society mm. and in the education environment as well. Because we can do as parents all that great work at home, and many of us are doing that. Yeah, right. We're not, we're we've taken the time, right? They're, we're not with them all the time, yeah. right? When they're in school, they're then learning from their peers mm. certain behaviours. They're learning from their teachers, right? So again, we need to make sure that. The education system has got the processes, funding, mm. support in place. There's a lot of great work as well going into the education sector at the moment. We touched on it earlier in this um, this episode, actually, where there is a drive to get, you know, X percentage of schools to have people that special like counsellors, et cetera, in place to support young people and the teachers because actually, you know, they're, they're struggling themselves as well, right? And I think the target from government was that 30% of schools should have a counsellor on site. Mm. It should be 100%, right? Simple mm. as that. Mm. Um, but even if it's not necessarily every day, you know, if there's, you know, maybe you'd have one between five schools and so they're at a school a day, a week or something like that. Yeah, but then there's work going on there. So that's the positive news, right? Because yeah. it has to. Because if we do all this work as parents... And then they go into school and that learning isn't continuing, that support isn't there, those kind of healthy behaviours aren't being replicated, mm. then it's going to be a challenge, mm. right? And then it goes further than that. And then when they're out there in the community, mm. right, 
How is community, how is society indicating what is acceptable behavior? Mm. How is how, how do we explore our emotions? What's right and wrong? Back to the language pieces we spoke about earlier. So it's all those kind of three areas that we really need to focus on mm. to ensure that the right support, the right education is in place for young people. Nice. Let's go straight on to the tech side. So in particular, with what you're doing now, you know, we come from a very techie background. Yeah. Um, not, I didn't historically, but the, certainly the last 12 years has been very techie. What, what role does technology play in, in all of this? And I suppose in particular with what you're doing now with businesses. Yeah. And um, we touched on the CRM side earlier, but aside from that, yeah. what, what, what tech is available? What, you know, how, how is AI helping, you know, with all of this? I just put a real downer on technology in the last piece, didn't I? That, <laughs> The challenges around but, technology, yeah. but in reality as well, mm. there's lots of opportunity, lots of good that comes from technology. And that's what I'm super excited about as well. Good. Just touching on the young people again, just for a moment, mm. there's organizations out there like um, Talk Life and Coof, for example, that are using technology to build out communities Great. for young people mm. to specifically engage on and share and talk about their experiences in a controlled um, environment, mm -hmm. right? So, you know, almost like social media type platforms, mm. networks for young people to come together to talk about their experiences and get that support. So that's a really great use of technology yeah. that people can relate to, mm -hmm. that they will continue using, mm. but can serve a real purpose for a certain demographic. And I think it's about educating people on that then, because some parents will hear that, oh, it's like social media but for this and some people just go no i don't want them yeah. using it so it's yeah. about educating them then on correct the, the benefits, benefits of, of of that tech which we talk about through change management in the professional world all the time you know you've got to you've got to sell the benefits to the to the users and the key stakeholders and in this scenario it's all about the kids and the parents and you know 100 percent. so you've got to do that continue to do that educational work yeah as you know in that sometimes the most challenging and time-consuming part of mm. people getting people to adopt technology mm. right if we come into the workplace then briefly for a moment you know there's obviously organizations like like mine and employ mind mm -hmm. right where we're working with businesses and using technology to really fast track the access to support that people mm. people get right so the ability for someone to register on a platform get matched with a therapist counselor or coach depending on what they want to work on mm -hmm. and then being fast tracked into that support process right technology can play a great part in that because if you think about nhs for a moment mm -hmm. and some of our um, current processes in society yeah i've got to take the first brave step to go to my gp yeah i could be waiting weeks for that gp appointment right in the first instance mm -hmm. i'm then getting told i need to see a counselor it could take up to six weeks to then see that counselor and then maybe i have one or two sessions with that counselor and I've not built up a rapport for whatever reason. Mm. So I fall out of the process and have to go back to the start of that journey, right? Mm. All that time, stressful. I'm not getting any better though, which mm. is the most important thing as well. It's stressful and actually it's it's been detrimental mm. to my mental health rather than the other way around, which is mm. what I'm looking for. So technology can really play a part in you know, that accessibility and fast tracking people into the right support. Mm. So that's kind of one really great use case. You've then got lots of kind of self-help tools. There's a great business out there called Shura that's kind of built out some technology, built out an app that really allows me to educate myself, 
build up resilience, build up my own skill set around mental health in areas such as like meditation, resilience, breath work, all these kind of areas, right? And again, I can put that into the hand of an individual and they can be practicing and learning those behaviors on a day-to-day basis, mm-hmm. right? There's another couple of cool businesses I should probably shout out in, 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 in this one as well. So there's people like Finwell, right? Financial well-being is a huge topic at the moment, right? Right. One of the leading issues in terms of impacting mental health, contributing to stress, etc. So they've built out a fantastic business, which is really all about going into the workplace again mm. with two areas, education and technology. Yeah, really, they're they're a team of experts that are really breaking down what could be perceived previously as difficult topics, hard to learn topics mm. around financial well-being, pensions, mortgages, mm. all those kind of bits that we typically don't learn about at school. Yeah, and right? it's stressful then, isn't it? You know, I used to be self, I was self-employed as a as a teenager. Yeah, and like the thought of you got to do tax return, you got to pay taxes. You got to, you know, you got to rent somewhere. You got to pay bills. It's like, oh, I didn't learn any of this stuff. Hundred percent. So it's good. It's good. All that's changing. And I, I, you know, I do believe they should be teaching that sort of practical sort of advice in school. Hundred percent. So that was Finwell. Finwell, yeah. And they as I say that they're a, a fantastic business that's got experts there, but also got that technology platform mm. to help drive that engagement and that education. Right. So that's another really great use of, of kind of technology. And if we think about kind of AI for a moment in particular as well, mm. the advancements with AI, what I will put out here, first of all, when it comes to AI, as everyone does that's in the AI space, <laughs> this is not to replace the human, no. right? but especially when we think about therapy or counseling, for example, mm. the value comes from that human connection mm. and their expertise, right? But can AI play a part in, again, ensuring that we can get people to support they specifically need very quickly Mm. yes it can right can it improve that matching process all those kind of bits yes it can help with that Mm. can it help to educate people very quickly yes it can right i also sit on the advisory board for a a business called uh, ripple suicide prevention and they're a charity but got kind of a tech arm to them and they've built out fantastic technology that is so simple paul right Mm. so simple um it's designed to, if I go onto Google and I'm putting in a search term for some harmful content, mm. right? It's designed to intercept that and then signpost me to hope. Right. Right. So just a really simple message pops yeah, up yeah. that says, hey, you searched this harmful content. Yeah. Would you, why don't you consider reaching out to Samaritans, Papyrus, yeah. whatever it is. Such simple technology, but how powerful yeah. for someone in that moment. At the right time as well. That's like, that is where you know that targeted i mean it's it's marketing isn't it you know it's everything we learn about in our industry about you know targeting marketing and but it's always used in my view for 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 selling and for brand awareness and that but actually really be used to help people yeah tech tech can be can be good can be damaging yeah but it can can be good I, i was reading something recently about uh you know the advancements in ai and in particular home tech and home devices and how they're looking at you know, how even just your habits within your home and the things you're watching can really pick up on your mental well-being mm. and then again start sort of advising you to, you know, oh, you've missed your routine today. So it's a little bit like we were talking about earlier about how humans we can pick up on if, if someone's not got their camera on or if someone's a bit late. 
you know, for your tech in your home to start picking up on these and, yeah. oh, hang on, there's a change in behavior here. This might mean this. And I'm getting delivery. 100%. It, it, it's, it's, it, I'm quite excited to see where, you know, as much as AI can be very big and scary, I'm excited to see where it goes in those particular sort of sectors and this kind of stuff. Because the benefit, you know, if if the right companies are investing in it, if the right bills are passed through parliament and that kind yeah. of stuff, you know, there's there's masses that, that can be done. It's got a huge part to play um, because as we know, you know, um, resources are tight, mm. funding is tight. So how can businesses, how can innovative charities like Ripple um, play their part through technology in, in plugging some of those holes where human capital mm. is less available? Yeah, exactly. There's masses here we could talk about, Lee. Um, there's there's a lot which is over, and perhaps we'll have you back, you know, for another for another <laughs> session. Um, one thing I did want to cover um, is. is you know, just just to kind of summarise, I guess there is a few things we've skipped out. But what do you feel is the sort of number one thing businesses can be doing now yeah. to 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 make change now? Because we talked about what things were like in the past, where things are at now, and what the future might look like with technology and all these things. But you know, as a business, if you took our business as yep. an example, uh, what could we be doing now uh, to to improve or recognize uh, you know pe people's people's mental mental health in our organization great question and really simple actually first of all make sure that you recognize this is something you can play a part in solving right okay. really simple make sure you recognize the importance of this topic mm. make sure it's on the agenda right so that's that's first and foremost mm. um, mental health support well-being support is it affects everyone mm. it impacts every one of us Right, and I think we've had a conversation here today where yeah, we, yeah. we, you know, three or four of us have articulated we've had these experiences. Yeah. So, just by being aware of that, that actually it does impact every single one of us, mm. is a good starting point. Mm. Rather than me three or four years ago burying my head in the sand, mm. put your head up here, mm. right, and recognise it impacts. So that's kind of the starting point, mm. and then it's to make sure that you're really looking at your business and looking at your people. And understanding that each of those individuals is also unique mm. and has their own unique needs, mm. right? And that goes back to the cultural, the language, you know, so if you've got a diverse workforce, age, you know, religion, that yeah. kind of stuff. So just being, being aware that it's start not necessarily us. Yeah. yeah. Start with, start with recognizing that mental health in the workplace is not a nice to have. It's not an employee benefit, mm. right? recognize that actually mental health in the workplace is essential and is something you should just do mm. make sure you provide the support make sure you set your business up to support your people mm. right that's the starting point and then build out from there recognize those diverse needs everyone's unique individual right they're at different stages in their life which mm. impacts what they need etc they're different cultures whatever it might be paul so those are things you can you can do straight away today and then obviously you can start building on that. Those should be the foundations. Then you can start building. You can start looking at technologies that can reach your people where they are mm. with the needs they have. You can start putting in place educational work to train people in certain areas so you've got that skill set and open up the conversation internally. Great. And listen, like genuinely, thanks for your insight. Like that's been really, it's been beneficial 
just to me as an individual, actually, just talking to, I know we had, we've had brief conversations over the last few weeks and, 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 you know, when you come down the other week, but actually hearing, hearing it in more detail really benefited me. It's opened my mind up to start. Hopefully it has done some of the people and some of the viewers. I genuinely hope that this video gets loads of views, not for my own vanity, not for our marketing, not for our YouTube channel or anything like that, but just to spread like that awareness of like because some of this stuff i've just it's, it's just never spoken about sometimes and it often is and like you said it's getting better but there's some of the you know we're going to include links to some of the some of the charities yeah. you've mentioned some of the platforms you mentioned all i would say to the viewers obviously if, if anyone is struggling um you know reach out to reach out to these charities um reach out to me personally i'd be happily to have a a conversation with with anyone about you know mental health or anything like that but mate thanks for coming on it's been great paul cheers thanks very much mate. yeah cheers. thank you thanks